Hey there, and welcome to the Rock Reavers podcast. Here we are all about believing and proclaiming the word. We're totally given to true worship and obedient in taking the gospel to the nations through missions. Thank you so much for tuning in. We hope that you'll be blessed by this message. Amen. Good morning, church. Praise the Lord. Good to see each and every one of you. Ask your neighbor, are you still born again? Are you still born again after voting for purple and maroon and indigo and nude and mauve? Those are colors. Which school did you go to? Have you ever heard of a color called mauve? <laughs> ha, move. Jesus is Lord. Let's have a statement of belief. The guy who came up with the color nude, was he tempting the children of God? All right, let's stand on our feet as we, as we read the statement of belief. How can you, how can you name a color nude? I need to come up with my own colors. Holy Ghost color. Angel Gabriel color. Yes. I am a winner. To reflect what God says about me. I can do all that God says I can do. Nothing is impossible from this moment on. For I am a new breed, a remnant. And I am after my purpose. The book of Joshua chapter 1. The book of Joshua chapter 1. I want us to read from verse 10 to verse 16. Joshua chapter 1. Verse 10 to verse 16. Are you glad you came to church this morning? Amen. Are you ready for the word? Are you ready for the word? Amen. Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people saying, I can't hear you, church. I'll read verse 12. And the Reubenites and the Gadites and the half-tribe of Manasseh spake to Joshua, saying, Your wives, your little ones, and your cattle shall remain in the land which Moses gave you to this side of Jordan. But ye shall pass before your brethren, armed all the mighty men of valor, and help them. Verse 16, and they answered Joshua, saying, All that thou commandest us, we will do, and whithsoever thou sendest us, we will go. Whosoever he be that rebel against thy commandment, you know. Joshua was their pastor now. Praise the Lord. 
And he says, and they say, can you imagine they are saying in unison, whoever will not listen to you and will not listen to your commandments and your words, we will kill him. Only be strong and of good courage. Is that your testimony about your pastor? <laughs> or are you the ones who will join others in killing your own pastor? Sit on your challenges. Let's get into the word of God. Amen. Can somebody just shout destiny, destiny, destiny? I can't hear you. Shout destiny. Isn't it interesting that in dealing with destiny, God does not paint a picture of a wedding in Galilee, but he paints a picture of battle. That in coming to our place of relevance and in walking in the purposes that God has ordained for us so mightily, the promises that he has for us, he deals and paints a picture of battle. And it is telling because in order for us to enter into the place that God has called us, that place is not empty. I remember we studied verse 9, 10, and 11, and scripture said, be confident in three things. The first one was, be confident in the promises of God. Then he says in verse 8, this book of the law shall not depart out of the mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. He says that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then, for then, shalt thou make thy way prosperous, and thou shalt have good success. He says, be confident in the principles of God. Then he says, do not be afraid of them, neither be afraid of their faces, because I, the Lord, I am with thee, that our confidence is in the presence of God. Now, coming from such a foundation of God speaking and God promising and, say, and God saying, you are going to enter inside. And then the promised land is occupied. I would have understood it, you know, if God asked me and said, son, what do you think about this scripture? What do you think about the scenario that we must now paint? How can a land that is filled with milk and honey also inhabit the enemy? That the place that God has given you for your possession has an inhabitant. That the position that God has given our business in the marketplace has competitors. That the promised land is the land flowing with milk and honey. But it is not a land without battle. And in engaging destiny, we must come to the place where we appreciate and accept that God requires a certain level of you to enter your next level. There is a dimension that you have to level up to. If you're going to enter into what God is calling you this season, there is, there is, a, dim there is a dimension. There is, there is a you that has to come to birth if you're going to enter into the things that God has called you to enter into. Men of battle are not ordinary men, praise the Lord. There is a way they think. There is a way they walk. There is a way they talk. There is a way. There are things that they engage themselves with. And there are things that they don't engage themselves with. Nobody ever won a battle by mistake. So we are now in Joshua chapter 1 verse 10 And they are getting ready to enter into the promised land I thought because God said it Meant that I'll just slide in <laughs> Praise the Lord That just because he promised it That there is no effort required from my side That I'll just wake up in the morning at 10 a.m. And sing Kumbaya Someone crying Lord Kumbaya, but it's come by here. Somebody crying, Lord, come by here. 
And then say, Mungu, you muema. And then at midday, I enter my place of destiny. Ha! Yes. He says that in order for us to access where God is calling us to, we must get ready for battle. Ask your neighbor, are you ready for battle? It takes battle to establish your business in this marketplace. It does take battle to establish your family. It takes battle to establish yourself as an artist of repute. It takes battle to establish yourself as a consultant, as a training professional. It takes battle. There is a certain leveling up that is required for us to enter into the place of destiny. The book of Joshua gives Joshua two names. And that gives us two perspectives, the two feet by which we must enter the promised land. Mr. and Mrs. Nan called Joshua Hoshia. You remember that? Which means the salvation. That when they looked unto him, they saw that there is victory in the inside of him. That there was battle in the inside of him. That there was, there was ability in the inside of him. But it is Joshua that came, it is Moses, sorry, that came and said, no, we will not call you salvation, but we will change your name to Joshua, which means there is salvation in Jehovah and only him. Yeah. Praise the Lord. That there is what? Salvation in Jehovah. There is victory in God. And that in the battle of destiny, when we come to enter into what God has called us to enter into, when we come to enter into the space that Jehovah has ordained for us, not only are we fighting, but Jehovah is our victory. Amen. That Jehovah is our victory. We are not fighting as one without help, but we are fighting nonetheless. That the help is in the battlefield. His name is Jehovah El Jigebor, which means the man of war. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Yeah. That before I enter into battle, the victory that comes from battle, it does not belong to me. That the commitment now that I must walk in into destiny with is I appreciate that there's going to be fights and there's going to be battle. But Jehovah is my victory. That Jehovah is my strength. And we find ourselves in places where the battle is hot. And the, and the, you know, and the, and the, and the challenges are hotter. But God is saying that he is our victory. Then he says something profound in verse 10. He says in verse 11, That pass through the host and command the people saying, Prepare your victuals. For within three days, you shall pass over this Jordan. Tell your neighbor, preparation. Look at the other one. Just, just squeeze their hands. Tell them preparation. You people, you are a bit cold this morning. No problem. I, I am cold for you. I am cold, cold. Squeeze them, squeeze them, squeeze them. Squeeze, tell them preparation, preparation. Are you, are you prepared, neighbor? Are you prepared? I heard you shouting a big hallelujah. Are you prepared to be a wife, neighbor? Neighbor, talk to your neighbor, somebody. Are you, are you prepared to be an entrepreneur? Are you prepared? Are you prepared to be a business owner? Are you prepared to be, to be a landlord? Is your prayer bigger than your preparation? Oh, God. Squeeze your neighbor. No, don't let your neighbor go. Are you, are you, are you prepared to be a good father? Are you, are you prepared to be a good husband? Are you, are you I heard you shouting aloud, amen. Are you prepared to be a landlord? Are you prepared to be an employer? Are you prepared to deal with KRA and NSSF and NHIF? He says, 
preparation. Here is the key. That if I'm going to enter, my level of possession is determined by my level of preparation. Amen. Are you trying to possess more than you're trying to prepare? And the challenge is, because of my addiction with possessing the future, I have neglected the present. And now, what I needed to invest in preparing, I invested in looking like the future. And now you look like it, but you're not it. Oh God, prepare your victuals. If you are going to enter into the place of possession, if you're going to come to the place of destiny, if you're going to appropriate the grace of God and enter into the things that God has called us, there has to be a preparation. And the same breath that I used to pray for my vision and I used to, to plan for my vision, that same breath must also be invested in my preparation. Praise the Lord. Look at the book of Jeremiah. I love this. Jeremiah chapter 12 verse 5. Scripture says, if you have run with men, if you have run with men, and they wearied thee, why would thou run with horses? Oh God. He says, if you, have, if, you have, if you have been running with men, look at it. Pass through, go to Jeremiah chapter 12, please. Verse 5, I want to show you something here. He says, if you have been running with men, you have been running with men, men who are limited, men who are weak, men who are without ability, and you have been defeated. Why is it that you want to rest with the horses? Ha, look at it. If thou hast run with the footmen, and they have wearied thee, then how can you contend with horses? If this dimension of, of, of ministry has, has, has hindered you, if this dimension of business, if this dimension of, of entrepreneurship has been a challenge, what makes you think that you'll handle this dimension? Preparation. If I'm sloppy over here, over here, if I'm sloppy when I'm an employee, and if I'm, if I'm sloppy when I'm an employer, by the time I'm entering into governorship, I will be a sloppy governor. And God is saying... Just because you are entering inside does not mean you will access the promised land. Prepare ye your victuals. Because in three days you will cross over the Jordan. There is a place for preparation. And the pain of preparation is that there is no applause. And most times when we are in our preparing stage, there is no visibility. And nobody is clapping hands for you. And nobody is giving you a promotion because the head of department took credit for your work. And you're not recognized for the things that you did. And the, cast, and the client came and said, what manner of law firm is this? I have never seen such a litigation process. Well done, here is a bonus. Yet the job was done by an intern who is in preparation. And the tragedy then becomes when you say, I'm tired of not being recognized. What you're really saying is, I am tired of waiting to be promoted. I am tired of the process of God to lift me up. Are you preparing to enter your place of possession? Are you preparing to enter into your place of destiny? What structures are you putting in place in your life to ensure that you come to a place of excellence when God promotes you. That there is an obscurity during preparation and it seems repetitive. And somebody said, how long will I be 
an intern? How long, how long will I be called a startup, a startup business? How long will I be doing revenues of one million? And I'm doing one million in January, and I'm doing revenues of a hundred thousand and two hundred thousand. Why is it that I'm unable to break to break the half a million mark? Why is it that I am not moving as fast as I thought I should be moving? Preparation. Look at your neighbor and tell them you gotta prepare. You have to be, you have to be ready. You have to be ready. You have to be ready. And there's an illustration here that is very important. Look at the book of Romans chapter 12. Scripture says, brethren, I beseech thee by the masses of God. Deke, please project for me that image. I beseech thee by the masses of God. I beseech thee by the masses of God that you present your body, you know, as a living sacrifice because this is your acceptable act of worship. Then he says, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. The Greek word transformation there is the word metamorphosis, which is the same word that is used or applied in the life cycle of a butterfly. I, it seems the, the image of a butterfly come. Lakini, the butterfly has come. Very good. Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Yes, very nice. Aha. Uh -huh. Some biology class. If you are seeing this image for the first time, says I. <laughs> And there is a path here now that there is pupa. Is there a pupa? Yes? Yes? And then there is what? Come on, class. And then there is what? Oh, your neighbor is waiting. Are you those guys who, you know, somebody said nine times one is one. Nine times two is nine. nine, nine. You're, not, you're not saying, but you're not saying. Eh? Open your mouth loud. There is what? Number one. Uh -huh. Then number two. Come on, Pastor Doc, help us. Then there is pupa, yeah? And then there is? Adult. Is it? Adult. And then there is what next? There is caterpillar somewhere, man. There is, there is lava. My goodness. Hey, was this the wrong example? Can we put the social media platforms here? Facebook, Twitter, this is what you want, eh? No. So there is lava, there is pupa, and there is caterpillar, and then there is adult. Now, I want to show you three things here about the process that we must subject ourselves. Number one, that the growth of the believer is not an upwardly sloping curve. Are you seeing that? It's not a curve. It looks like it's moving forward, and it is moving behind. And it is moving forward, and it is moving behind. Four different states. If you are to plot that curve, it looks like an all of a sudden curve. That's a curve that is only in mathematics so far. That one day, I'm a pupa. I look like there is no life in me. But yet, even in that pupa stage, the wings are there. Just that you can't see it. Praise the Lord. Are there wings in the pupa stage? Yes. Now, can the pupa say I'm tired of being a pupa? Now talk to me, church. Can the pupa say, I'm giving up the ghost. I'm tired of being a pupa. Did you know when it comes to the callings and destiny of God, that which we are becoming, we already are. Oh, praise the Lord. That which we are becoming, we already are. The next dimension of God in your life is not something foreign to you. Do you hear Jesus? Jesus says, you Peter, come. I want to make you fishers of men. I am not changing your career. You are still going to be throwing the net. But this time you will not be harvesting fish. You will be harvesting men. 
But in order to be a good fisher of men, you must be a good fisher of fish. I need to be patient enough to throw the net. I need to be intelligent enough to know the type of net required to capture the different kinds of fishes. So that when I am dealing with a governor, praise the Lord, I know how which net to unleash. So that when I am dealing with a senator, I know which net to... Have you seen these guys who you have entered, finally you have entered the president's office and the, you have the first name, the first word out of your mouth is praise the Lord, president... It's symptoms of an, of an unprepared fisherman. That when Paul went into the, when he went into the chamber where scholars were, he didn't start with praise the Lord. He entered into arguments. And he was careful enough to articulate his points that he spoke so eloquently that they said, concerning this matter, we must hear you again. Concerning that they were compelled, that he came out of his dimension, entered into their dimension, and even in that dimension, he wowed them. Remember, 10 years ago, he was being schooled under Gamaliel. And he was keen enough to listen to what was being taught. If you study Bible history, you'll realize, Scripture says that they were required to know the Torah by heart. That you start Genesis chapter 1 verse 1. In the beginning, God. Then you go to Exodus. Then you go to Leviticus. Can you remember the last... Uh, which memory verse do you have in Leviticus? It's very difficult. Then you have to enter 1 Kings and 2 Kings and Chronicles and 1 Chronicles by heart. That he was diligent in this level. And all of a sudden, he began now to take steps. Before you knew it, the Lord brought him to the place. And the time he entered the dimension, he entered a prepared man. Have you ever found yourself in a boardroom? And then you talk. And you've been in business in three years. And you're dealing with industry champions who have been in it in 30 years. You better shut up your mouth and listen. Just because they are nodding and laughing and entertaining your folly does not mean they are appreciating with you. Do you know there are opportunities that you'll be kicked out of when you open up your mouth? Tell your neighbor, prepare. Come on, tell your neighbor, prepare. That the opening of your mouth reveals your ignorance and your lack of preparedness. And that time, instead of delivering excellence, you deliver why you should not be given. Somebody said, I would have given them the job until they spoke. Ha. Ha, that this chick was what I was going to vibe. But then we, talk, we talked after church. And when we talked after church, I realized who not to vibe in this church. Oh, God. Oh, God. God help us now. That this guy had cologne, haircut, beard gun, coconut oil on beards. Uh, what is that other theme? Uh, 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 Nike shoes. And he had the swag. You know, he doesn't take two steps at a time. He takes three steps at a time. But when I spoke to him, I realized it was an empty tomb. Ha. Ah. Ah. Prepare. Prepare. Tell your neighbor, prepare. I can't believe. Tell your neighbor, prepare. You gotta be ready. Tell your neighbor, prepare. He says, I want you to prepare. I should not be addicted to the glory and beauty of a flying butterfly. But in my addiction and excitement of cruising with my beautiful wings, I must also embrace the pupa stage of my life where it looks like everything is dead, nothing is moving. And now here, because here is another key, that sometimes it is more important to hang around people who see the butterfly in you than see the pupa in you. 
oh God, oh God. And the problem is, it is not just other people seeing you as a pupa, yet you're a butterfly inside, but it's even you overlooking yourself because you thought you're a pupa. Yet even in the pupa stage, the wings were there. Can you give God a chance to work on you? Are you able to give God a chance to prepare you? Are you diligent enough to take the preparation of God seriously? That in the days of small beginning, remember what he said. The Bible said that he that is faithful with little shall be faithful with much. Then he said, he that is faithful with little shall be granted rulership over much. The problem is you want to rule over much, but you're not faithful with little. Because in your psychology, you have convinced yourself that if I can rule over much, then they will clap for me. Then they will like me. You got it all wrong. You must like yourself first. And then clap for yourself first. It doesn't matter if I'm preparing. I could be preparing over here. You don't understand what you're talking about. I could be preparing over here, but we are building logos that are global. That when you open up our company profile, a Holy Ghost all must catch you. When you begin to read the introduction of the products we are selling, you must wonder, is this a, is, is this a subsidiary of Microsoft? Is this a subsidiary of Google? Before you clap for me, I clap for myself already. Amen. Before you tell me amen, what are you talking about? Before you tell me amen, I already said amen because I'm preaching good. Amen. amen. That the pain of preparation is that it pushes and tests our self-esteem. And there's a temptation now to want to go and collect crowd esteem. And crowd esteem can push you to a place where your preparation didn't get you ready. And you will tumble. And the enemy is very happy for you to build a high tower with a weak foundation. Because when a small building falls, nobody cares. But when a huge building tumbles, the whole city catches attention of the whole city. What are you putting in your foundation this morning? He says, if you're, en if you're going to enter into possession you got to get ready to invest your time in preparation. That preparation precedes possession. Tell, tell your neighbor that. Preparation precedes possession. That in the kingdom of God, I got to be prepared first. Then I enter into my possession. What are your preparation structures? That as I pray for the next dimension, I must also prepare for the next dimension. Amen. Preparation. Verse 11, he says, Pass through the host and command the people, saying, Prepare your victuals, for within three days you shall pass over the Jordan to go in to possess the land which the Lord has given unto you. So preparation. Then look at this. And to the Reubenites, and to the Gadites, and to the half-tribe of Manasseh, spake to Joshua, saying, Remember the word which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God has given you rest and given you this land. Then he said, in verse 15, Until the Lord has given your brethren rest, even as you have been given, and they also have possessed the land which the Lord your God giveth them, then you shall return unto the land of your possession and enjoy it. 
and here there's a presentation of the paradox of comfort. That the tribe of these three tribes had come to a place and they were comfortable. They were okay. In fact, they say, why, why are you telling us to cross the other side? As far as we are concerned, we have reached. This is what God, this is for us, we are, this is where we have settled. And they entered into a place of comfort. And they're wondering, why should you bring us forward now? For us, we have the privilege of hindsight. And for us, we know that the promised land was on the other side of Jordan. But remember, these are a people who were tired. These are a people who had walked in the desert in circles for 40 painful years. If you look at the number of people who died in the, in the desert, 287 people were dying every day. And they came to a place where they were frustrated. They were psychologically pressed. They were physically exhausted. The vision had tarried too long that they reached to a place where they said, no more, we are tired, we are happy, we are going to settle over here. Yet they were at the precipice of the promised land. They were at the banks of the river Jordan. And they said, oh no, I am okay over here. And God begins, and begins to reveal to us that sometimes being comfortable in today denies us the possibility and probability of entering into the promised land. That I have accepted my Lord. You know, somebody said, maybe this is all I would ever achieve. There is no need to rock the boat. You know, the preacher spoke so powerfully. The Spirit of God spoke to you and gave you conviction and revealed to you that it is time for you to move into Uganda. It is time for you, you know, to move into Tanzania. But what? When you sit in the house, you are like, I have fought this far. It has been 20 grueling years. I have finally reached a place where I'm being paid 100,000, you know, gross or net. And finally, I can afford my house. Finally, I can drive my car. Finally, I can buy some flowers. Don't rock the boat, somebody. Why are you calling me to stretch? Why are you calling me to believe again? Why are you calling me to cast vision again? Why are you calling me to expand myself again? Yet I've reached my large place. And that's the tragedy of comfort. That as we journey in this life, there are those seasons where we will feel tumefika. Have you ever felt like that? Let me give an example that all of us will relate with. When you hang out with these people who used to perform so well in high school, do you know, are they in this church? I know you know them. You are a pastor dog. <laughs> yeah, you hang out with these people, and you know, we are in form four, first term, and they have already read uh, form four, a third term syllabus. Faith, am I speaking to you? And they are teaching all of us. And they're showing us how much calculus we don't know and so on. And every paper we go to, they are competing. They are doing so well and everything. You know, they are on top of the world. And they have been made prefect because in this, in this country, if you don't perform, you're not good to be prefect. And then that switches in politics. <laughs> All right. I know you heard me. And then now, you know, you're on top of the world. Then KCSE comes. And you enter, you know, you know the way Tom enter, he walks when he has caught Jerry. And you're like, bring that paper over here, bring that paper over here, bring that paper over here. I want to write marking scheme. They'll use this one. And then you get your A, no issue. Then that list comes from the newspaper. Do you know that list that comes from the newspaper? And you see other A's. Kumbe, this A is in dimensions, eh? There is the A of, uh, of you are smelling like an A-minus. 
and then there is the air of you are smelling like supernatural. Then that which you thought you had reached the apex, everybody was buying down, bow down. You know, everybody was buying down in your high school. But on the national stage, your name is not even worth it to be mentioned. That I thought I'm doing good with my 100-inch TV until God showed me a glimpse of what he has called me to do. I thought having 100,000 views on YouTube was something until the angel of God showed me what God has called me to do. He says, ah, leave us alone. We are comfortable here. We are peaceful here. This is such a nice place. Look at the water. Can you see the water? Joshua, can you see the water? This, this is fresh water. We've been in the desert. This is fresh water. This is lush ground. Look at our sheep. Our sheep are overweight. This is overweight sheep. They need to do some gym. Our sheep are doing good. Why are you telling us to cross over the other side? And then there are two camps in the house of God. So number one, key preparation. Number two, dealing and correctly appropriating comfort. That there is a rest that comes with comfort. But comfort is not our destiny. That there are times when God will call you to leave a comfortable place, to enter into a seemingly uncomfortable place, a place where you know little of, a place that challenges your current level of skills, a place that challenges your current level of expertise and your current level of, of you know, influence. And sometimes God will call you to abandon the familiar and attempt the unfamiliar. Does that make sense? Then, then the third thing here today as I begin to close is the idea that the camp of God was overly split now. And there was the camp of promised land and there was the camp of let us stay here. Then Joshua says something prophetic. That before your brothers have achieved rest, you, your family, and your strong men and your wives must join them in crossing over. After they are settled, then you also shall settle. That in as much as you have chosen to settle over here, you have to join your brothers to take them over there. Collective responsibility. That I cannot say I'm winning until you are winning. Amen. And that is a community of Christ. That God is calling us in this walk of destiny to be a community that is so strong that even when you say you're not coming with me, my going where I am going is important to you. Amen. That sometimes when God opens for me a door, he's really opening for me and my whole community. That he's not opening for you alone. That discernment then becomes when God gives you a promotion, the question is, this promotion is for me and who else? That we are actively seeking who can we hold hands together with. Haven't you read Psalms 133 verse 1? Scripture says how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. He says it is as the oil upon the head running down to the beards of Aaron. Running down to the edge of his garment. He says it's like the, it's like the dew of Mount Zion. Because there the Lord commands a blessing. That in this walk you're not walking alone. Amen. You are walking with believers of like mind. Here is another one. That just because we disagree does not mean I have to fight you. Amen. 
that there was disagreement in the camp. One says, let us stay over here. Another says, let us go over there. One says, let us pray in tongues. Another says, let us not pray in tongues. One says, let us be filled with the Holy Spirit. The other says, being filled with the Holy Spirit ended a long time ago. God is calling us to a place where whether you're on this camp or the other camp, there is a unity in moving forward. That the church of our Lord Jesus Christ, unity is key in your progress in this life. Amen. Amen. And I want to challenge you this morning. Who knows you at Rivers Church? Are you a stranger in your own community? Who has felt your impact? Who did you call last week to check on? Praise the Lord. Not, you know, good, good evening, baby. How are you? How was your day? Not that one. That one you have to check on, otherwise you'll be babyless. I'm talking about checking on somebody who is not baby. I know you heard me. Yes. When is the last time you called me? Or you called Mbaji? Or you called... Or you, you, who have you called this week? We are moving as a community. And our strength is in that community. He said, before your brothers have rest, you shall have no rest. Amen. Yeah. That we cannot think... Listen, we cast the spirit of selfishness from its roots. In the name of Jesus. Yes, we cast the spirit of selfishness. We cast the spirit of stinginess. Hey, spirit of stinginess. Praise God. Somebody sends you a please call me. You can't even buy them airtime. Which other revelation do you need? He sent you a please call me. Praise the Lord. Uh, he sent you please call me. You can't send airtime. The devil is a liar. The devil is a liar. The devil is a liar. Somebody tells you they're hungry and you say, lift up your hands, I want to pray for you. Lord, no more. No, you, people who are hungry are given food. Praise the Lord. If you want to pray for them, pray for them in secret. If I came to you and said, eh, bro, I'm hungry, man, and you pray for me, you pray for me, I can see you, you are, you are, you are, you are, you are doing a, what is that thing ladies do? It's called skin care. I can see this face is subjected to skin care routine. Oh, you don't know, what, you think I don't know what I'm talking about. I know what I'm talking about. I know this face is subjected to cleanser. You know, there's the face for cleanser and there's the one that they use water. This one uses cleanser, makeup remover. Then it, it, it uses, what is the other one? Conditioner. Is it condi conditioner? Uh -huh. It's been, is it toner? I can see, neighbor, I can see this face has UV light protection. And you're saying you'll pray for me. <laughs> the devil, not in Rivers Church. When somebody says they're hungry, what are they done for? They're fed. Scripture said that before your neighbors go to the other side, you will have no rest. Amen. It is our joint responsibility to ensure that all of us are moving forward. Amen. All of us are moving forward spiritually. That is why your prayer life is important to us. Praise the Lord. Ask your neighbor, when is the last time you prayed? One hour at least. When is the last time you prayed 30 minutes? It's important to us. Uh, it's important that we, we, you know, ask your neighbor, hey, so how are you doing? How much salary are you earning? Okay, you don't like talking about that. How much salary are you earning? Okay, I have a preacher here with me. Huh? How, how much salary are you earning? You know, what is your plans to increase your income? What is your business doing this year? We want to go and walk together as a community. Our brother's welfare let me say this very clearly. That the welfare of the body of Christ 
and the welfare of the people in our community is our priority. Before we engage in that welfare, then we will not, he said here, before, before your brothers have crossed over, you will not rest. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Final word. Let me go to the next verse here. As we finish Joshua chapter 1. He said, According as we had hearkened unto Moses in all the things. Let me give you a side note here. Bonus, bonus revelation. Do you know what happened to these three tribes that embraced comfort? It was comfort for a season. Because they, become, they became paganized. You remember when Jesus came uh, to the Gadarenes? That is the place. That's the border of, of the, the, the River Jordan. That those that embraced momentary comfort and rejected the promise of God thought they had arrived until they were paganized. They rejected ultimately these people who were delivered miraculously by God, forgot God because of comfort. And that's the thing that comfort does. That you enter a place where, you know, you are used to taking tea that if it had a color, if it had color, you will bless the Lord. Now you're taking different kinds of teas. It's chamomile tea and all these other types of tea. And you begin to forget God. They were paganized. And so, so gross was the paganization that it became a place where pigs were being bred. That's the gatherings. That's what happened to them. That sometimes we must break comfort and trust God for the unknown. Finally, Verse 18, chapter 1 of verse 18 says, Whoever he be that doth rebel against the commandment and will not hearken unto the words in all that thou commandest him, he shall be put to death. The fourth key, that we must draw lines when it comes to our lives. And those lines are so grievous that they are fatal. That the man who will enter into the promised land, the man who will walk in the purposes of God for your life, there has to be lines. Another word for it, there has to be boundaries. There has to be lines. There has to be lines. And God is saying to you this afternoon, which lines have been encroached? You know the way Paul says, see to it in Ephesians chapter 5, that you walk circumspectly because the days are evil. Which lines are governing your life? Which lines can't people cross? Which lines can't situations, circumstances push you out of? There has to be lines. There is a certain way that we must live life. There are lines in the walk of destiny. Nobody, there is a certain way that, remember what, what's, what, what, uh, what Solomon said in the book of Proverbs. He said there's a way that looks right. It seems right. That is the way that the media is encouraging everybody to go. That is the way that crowd psychology advises us to go. That is the way that the man of the flesh will tell you to go. But Solomon says that the end of that way is destruction. We can't walk anyhow. God is saying there's a certain way that we must walk. If you were to look at a concert pianist, by the time he's playing the concert and everybody, you know, when you go to Europe, you'll appreciate this more. People, you pay huge, huge sums of money just to enter into a place where somebody is playing piano and he's playing compositions by Beethoven and, and, and others. 
and everybody is clapping their hands and everybody is excited at the mastery of this particular person. And everybody, is, their head is completely blown at the maestro in action. But that overwhelming, successful event is easily 20 years of work. Is easily 30 years of work. And 30 years of discipline. And 30 years of red lines. That when his friends were going for holiday, he would rather sit in and sharpen his craft. That his craft has been sharpened for so long that the output looks effortless. Why? Because of the discipline lines of destiny, DLD. Discipline lines of destiny. There's a certain way we must walk. Amen. Praise the Lord. If you're in the real estate business, there is a way to build the real estate business. You can't build any howling. If you are in the, should I say consultancy, there, is a, there are red lines. There are lines by which you must idea if you're going to be a successful consultant. There is a certain way to be a good husband. There are red lines. There is red lines of being a good husband. You are not just a husband. Anyhow, Lee. Amen. Number one, preparation precedes possession. Don't forget that one. Preparation precedes possession. Number three, it is community progress. Number two, sorry. And number three, the disciplined lines of destiny. Let's rise on our feet as we begin to pray and thank God for the victory. In the name of Jesus, I'll request the worship team to join me on stage and the service pastor, Pastor Doc, join me on stage as we, as we come to a close. Thank you for sticking into the end. We hope you are blessed by this message. Follow us for more of these messages when new episodes drop and make sure to rate us so that more people can find out about us. Bye-bye.